Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. Hello there, everyone. It's Chris Walder here once again with another episode of the Walder Sportscast, episode 47, actually, the Andre Kirilenko shout-out AK-47, a legendary fantasy basketball stud. And if you haven't already, you can find me and all of my tweets and pics over on Twitter and Instagram, at Walder Sports, and go ahead and leave a rating and review when you're done here because it helps out the show a bunch. And of course, today's show is brought to you by our friends at DraftKings, the number one leader in daily fantasy sports. It's incredibly easy to make lineups and put yourself in the mix for huge cash prizes. And who doesn't like money, am I right? It makes games more exciting, puts some more stakes on the action, with DraftKings having paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. So now that you know how to play, Download the DraftKings app and sign up using promo code TBPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's promo code TBPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. But on to today's show, the meat and potatoes of what you want to listen to. This is what you're here for, of course. I'm going to be joined by social media extraordinaire Jerome Cheng, who is a producer for The Athletic, as well as a co-host of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast as well. And of course, we're going to be talking some MCU today on the program. You can find Jerome on Twitter at BlackDragonRoll. And some of you may know that handle from the recent viral video of Kevin Herter footage as a Rickroll from the Atlanta Hawks versus 76ers series, which as of this recording has been viewed 2.9 million times. Absolutely hilarious. This is the first time Jerome and I have actually talked, so I'm looking forward to chatting some hoops and some Marvel as well. And just a quick note here, I did mention during my last episode that I got a new job. I started a couple of weeks ago, I'm in the midst of training, and it's full-time hours, so finding time for the podcast has been extremely difficult, so just a heads up that until I get myself into more of a routine, episodes may be coming out every two weeks instead of every week, so apologies in advance. I'm trying my best here, but I hope you'll continue to support me in the show because I've put a lot of work into this podcast and I really want to keep it going. And hey, if you want to show some love out of the gate, check out my last episode with my good pal Amit Mann, the host of the Five Observations NBA podcast, who's also with Yahoo Sports Canada. We made our NBA Finals predictions, talked Peterborough, Ontario, which is where I'm actually working now. It was full of laughs. Amit is a great guy. Check out the pod and follow him on Twitter at Amit underscore man. With all of that being said, though, Jerome Cheng makes his Walder Sportscast debut after this quick break. So keep it locked. Perfect. Perfect. Jerome Chang, a multimedia producer for The Athletic and co-host of the Marvel Cinematic University podcast, as well as formerly of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Jerome, thanks for coming on the show, buddy. That, that's expert work right there. That is expert research. You broke down everything. Yeah, I didn't think, I wasn't sure if you were going to mention MC University pod, and that's awesome too. Um, no, thank you so much for having me, man. This is awesome. Can I write your Wikipedia page? I feel like it's inevitable Completely. at this point. It's oh, yeah, be up yeah. There. No, no. <laughs> 
whatever said go for it it's all you <laughs> well well first off buddy and i was actually going to save this for near the end of the show but in researching you i watched this video lord knows how many times possibly an unhealthy amount and it's quite possibly <laughs> in my opinion the best nba twitter video of the year it's your kevin herter rick roll oh, video from geez. june 20th you know <laughs> espn picked it up bar stool clutch points a litany of other outlets when you were putting that video together did you have any idea that it was going to be as well received as it was and what was kind of the game plan in putting it together i okay so i don't think with anything i ever do it i try to keep that attitude about it um like i try not to think where it's going to go or how it's going to do i i like to hope that Anything I make is just whatever entertains me first. But uh, yeah, no, it was really cool how that one played out. I remember that night I was, yeah, I was watching the game and then uh, I was actually catching up to it uh, around the second half and I was hearing Kevin Herter was going off and, you know, NBA Twitter as it is, everyone's going off. And it was actually uh, Aaron, uh, like we follow each other. He at A-Y-R-O-N-E-D, Aaron Ed. Um, he had tweeted, how is Rick Asley cooking, um, who would have been at the, the Bucks? It would have been that series? I think it was the Sixers. No. Sixers, thank you. Yeah, this, it was the Sixers, you're right. Uh, like, how is uh, Rick Asley cooking the Sixers? And, and I was like, that's so funny. And I thought in the moment, uh... Oh, like, I wonder what it would be like if I just cut his highlights to never going to give you up. Like, I, I think um, for anyone and then like shout out like a lot of our common uh, follows like, you know, like Mr. Six, like Jordan, former guest on the pod, like they're always out here trying to cancel my cloud account um, because I just have a healthy curiosity for what I think wonder and edit would look like <laughs> but yeah i i just started putting them together live uh during a, across the end of the game and uh i think i had it all there originally it was just going to be you know kevin herder highlights the song over under it and then it turned into oh you know what it's actually really funny to me when i see rick asley dancing in between a couple of them just back and forth and then from there by the time we got to um close to the end of it i was just like wait this is a Rick roll. I this is this has got to be a Rick roll. I got to start it off as a fake out. Do welcome to Atlanta. It's the perfect open. It's such an iconic open, and then break into the song there. And then um, yeah, I remember dropping it shortly after the game. I don't think it was too long after. Uh, and then I saw like a couple of people pick it up, and um, I've been fortunate enough to like have an editor too here that. Uh, would get like retweeted by just, you know, one bigger account and you just kind of know like, oh, okay, like now it's going to get a bump because of it. But I think I'm going to say the one that like this time around, I feel like really kind of set it off. It was a number then, like you said, it was a bunch at the same time. But that night, um, I'm not sure how he came across it, but Rex Chapman, like you the classic Rex Chapman share <laughs> when that happens, okay. I feel like. <laughs> Uh, he he followed me uh, in that moment and then uh, shared it. I was just like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen after it. But I remember um, falling asleep that night. Uh, it's kind of that shameless thing where you have a tweet that's actually doing well and you just start like seeing how many likes it has. And I was like, whoa, it got to 10,000. Cool. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> and then woke up the next morning. And it was, uh, yeah, it was it was funny. You mentioned like I just recently joined The Athletic and it was a funny introduction to my coworkers in the company because I think in a lot of ways, like people might know like, oh, there's this new guy doing video for us named Jerome, but they didn't necessarily like know me 
as that guy who likes to do silly edits on Twitter. Right. So uh, I think one of my favorite moments was, uh, I think it was Sam Amick. He was on his next day pod. Uh, <laughs> it was clipped out and shared with me, but you hear him say, we got to figure out uh, who that genius was behind that Rick Roll Kevin Herter video. Because <laughs> that, was, that was really something. And then it cuts to him getting, it's like, I'm getting a producer note over here. And this isn't scripted as far as I understand. This was live in the moment. He's just like, Jerome. Our Jerome, that guy, the new guy, I was just, and <laughs> so uh, it was. It was a funny thing. It was cool. Um, I'm really glad people liked it. Uh, I don't think I ever like there. I mean, they're like the things that you know you'll know. Everyone loves to do. You know, like uh, Celine Dion, "My Heart Will Go On," and those will do great. But uh, you know, I I think it's I think it's really fun. Um, I think NBA Twitter especially has some of the funniest, most clever and creative people out there. I mean, you want to talk about big uh, edits, shout out our guy Esfendiar, who's like just popping off as we're yeah. recording this right now. He's all over the place uh, with his uh, father stretch my hands to that Giannis uh, dunk. That was amazing. But no, I just I love the ingenuity of everyone online. I think for me, uh, I just like to put out anything that entertains me and I'm really happy if anyone else likes it. Has Kevin Herter himself acknowledged the video? Maybe even Rick Astley. Perhaps that's your white whale of, of <laughs> likes or shares. Maybe the legend himself putting it out there. Oh my gosh, if that happened, uh, I, I have no idea. I think I saw somewhere, <laughs> I, I think it was like a next day thing, but people were tweeting. And I think just because of the, the stray like uh, mention there, because it was still fresh from the video, they talked to... Uh, Kevin about all the internet stuff and I think he just commented like the internet is undefeated but I don't think he mentioned <laughs> anything around any specifics um but that one yeah that was a surreal one because I remember if you I think the next day if you looked up just like search the name herder I think it was that video and then his like tweet from the night like his own personal tweet and I was just like that's that's silly <laughs> <laughs> In your line of work, whether it's, you know, photography or, or videography, social mm -hmm. media or what have you, how would how important is it to find those viral moments, like the moments that gain significant amounts of traction? Like, is there ever a pressure on you personally or professionally to hit big on your content? No, because I think for me personally, I think the moment that I try to make it about, like, I want to hit something because it like... I just want to be the one in front or the one uh, who has the funniest thing. I think it just becomes, it's just not fun for me at that right. point. And if anything, like I think like for so many of the content makers out there, I just have such a great admiration for what they do because it's not just, you know, the consistent quality of their uh, throughput, but just like how much mental energy it must take to keep on wanting, like it's just such a hustle to keep on doing it and keep on putting out things and doing it so well. And for me, I think just my general personality is always just, I always like to do things on my own terms. And sometimes even if I find, you know, like a Kevin Herter video come out, like my immediate reaction is not necessarily like, I got to find the next thing, but more, oh, I got to take a break. Like I just yeah. want to relax <laughs> at that point. Uh, and uh, I think too, it's just, you know, the pandemic and everything, the way the year's gone, I think, a lot of people in our industry, it's been 
uh, kind of a 180 in our belief of like, you know, the hustler mentality. And I think a lot of us have learned that, you know, if you try to keep on going 24 seven, you just never give yourself the energy to, you know, find and be inspired by new things. So uh, I think it's just important to take that breath in between and find your next thing and hopefully you find like a natural inspiration. Um, but at the same time, for the people that are able to do it and keep it up, I'm just so impressed with them. I was going to say, do you think people in general focus too much of their attention on likes, retweets, shares, follows? And do you think that's kind of gone to another level during this pandemic with people stuck inside and more so being on their cell phones? I, I could only say that it's probably true because I feel like I could keep I can get myself caught up in it uh, sometimes. Um, I think, to your point, when we haven't had the opportunity to have so much direct human interaction, our interaction for a lot of us, and even before the pandemic happened, has been on places like Twitter. I think uh, NBA Twitter especially and Raptors Twitter has been this really beautiful place where I've made so many friends and uh, in a funny way because of maybe it's not like a DM or a direct conversation because of how much you interact with people on a timeline. You're talking to people more than you talk to people in your regular day to day, right? Because you're just constantly on your phone, and uh, I think in those moments uh, there is that um, you know that feedback loop that a lot of us can find ourselves leaning into. And I don't think there's anything to be ashamed about uh, wanting to do it. I think we all want to feel great about ourselves sometimes, but I think as long as we you know acknowledge it and realize uh, like let's not let it consume us, it can be a healthy thing. You know, like we all love to be gassed up every now and then, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Well, I, for one, am trying more and more to not be focused on numbers and, and traction. I think social media is a heck of a lot more fun when there isn't that pressure. And totally. since I'm not really in sports media anymore as well, I can enjoy mm -hmm. it for what it is. And let me tell you, it helps the games a heck of a lot more, especially during the NBA Finals. And that's oh, where I kind of want to shift gears with you, Jerome, because, yeah. you know, Game 5 went down last night. The Milwaukee Bucks are now up 3-2 in their series with the Phoenix Suns. We're either one game away from Giannis hoisting the Larry OB trophy or two from Chris Paul and Devin Booker doing so for Phoenix. Jerome, how big a deal do you think it is for the NBA right now that this finals has been a massive success? Not just from the reaction from those watching like on NBA Twitter, mm -hmm. but the ratings as a whole, because I think there was a lot of doubt heading into this series, you know, two small markets, two unproven teams. But personally, I think this matchup has far exceeded any expectations thrust upon it. Yeah, completely. I think it's just important to show that there isn't one way to do it. And I think that's such a thing that we discover and it's such a beautiful thing like on NBA Twitter and Raptors Twitter as we embrace different voices, embrace different, uh, just different groups involved. There are so many ways to enjoy this game and at least when it comes to kind of the traditional broadcast sense, there are more than two or three teams to it that you could enjoy. And I think it's at least proven in this small sample size here. I mean, it does help to have, you say it's small market team, but it is also a two-time MVP who is yeah. the best player in the final. <laughs> it's kind of like he just happens to play for a city that people may not be so excited about. Uh, but far be it for either of us to even criticize something like that, being Toronto fans, where Toronto is frequently identified as a city that, for whatever reason, isn't uh, worthy of that kind of attention, especially in the <laughs> in American uh, public. But, you know, it's it's such a great thing to see. And it's like awesome to know that there's a variety in it. It's not awesome to know, like watch this and beyond it not having our home teams, I think just people are having to adjust on the fly. I think you're seeing it 
online, people are growing into cheering for one side or another. I think going into the finals, a lot of people were really pro Chris Paul and pro Suns and no one really wanted uh, the Bucks to win. And I think we're sitting at a point where a lot of people, even Raptors fans for that matter, would be thrilled to see Giannis uh, do this. And if you if you told them that they would feel this way about this team when he signed that extension and we realized he wasn't going to come to Toronto, like no yeah. one would believe that. So I think in so many different ways, it's such a great thing to not prove, but just show that this is... Yeah, that like this game could be enjoyed in a new and exciting way. Do you think this is a sign of of things to come for the future of the NBA, you know? Because I think a lot of people credited the league this season for having a ton of parity. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people kind of pegged teams like the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets, for example, those, you know, quote unquote super teams as being ahead of the pack. But here we are at the end of the playoffs, you know, injuries aside, obviously this was a condensed season coming off of the bubble, but we have two teams that, you know, not a lot of people pegged to be in this situation right now with Milwaukee and Phoenix and Lord knows heading into next season. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people are going to be torn about who they think is going to emerge victorious with the championship again. Do you think this is a, a positive sign that we're going to see more of moving forward? Just because, again, there is so many stars, so many top-level teams out there. I think definitely this is a sign of hope, but it might be speaking a little too soon just because it I, that injury part is, you know, depending on who you ask, there might be... I'm sure there are going to be detractors who are going to want to put some level of, of an asterisk, even though literally every season goes through this sort of thing, although we saw some significant ones during these playoffs and fatigue for sure playing a factor as well. It's really hard to say. You know, I you mentioned teams like the Lakers and the Nets and how they didn't make it to the end, but of course injuries and fatigue were involved there. If they're healthy next year, if the Warriors come back next year, we might be kind of regressing back to what we've been used to uh, just because <laughs> they are such stacked teams. Um, but I think what is nice... Uh, Kind of like beyond the finals itself is I, I think during these playoffs we have been given like a really good sign of another a next generation like a post LeBron era of uh, talent in the league and it's so deep and there's so many around the league so uh, one thing I think could be beneficial even though again you know the regular season itself can be such a fatigue for to watch but I think like things like league pass might be a thing yeah. that might be of more interest just because you because of these playoffs, you realize there's so many teams that might be worth watching. And ones that, you know, if they figure it out, like, there's still a Zion Williamson in this mix that, for all we know, if he's put in the right situation, like, could be the most exciting player in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a really exciting time on that front. Um, I think it's kind of sometimes hard to see it outside of the bubble of, you know, our NBA fandom because we're so into it. I. I do wonder how all this does look to kind of the casual fan. And I hope to at least like some of them on the fringe, they're gaining more interest and realizing there are more people than like LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Well, you mentioned that post-LeBron James era, and I think someone like Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to likely be at the forefront of that new movement. But, you know, coming out of game five last night, there was this really weird agenda being pushed on NBA Twitter from Mm. guys like CJ McCollum and and Spencer Dinwiddie, where they were coming out in favor of Chris Middleton receiving votes for NBA finals, most valuable player should Milwaukee close out Phoenix. And, you know, I've been watching this series. I think Middleton has been great. He had a great game last night. He had a line of, I think it was 29, seven and five. He had shot 12 of 13 or 12 of 23 from the field. 
Mm-hmm. And he's averaging 25.4 points for the Bucks during this series. But you compare it to a guy like Giannis, who's just putting up these ungodly numbers right now. You know, over 32 points, 13 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Do you think tweets like that from other players around the league, Jerome, do you think it's merely support for a guy like Middleton? Or maybe it's perhaps a slight against Giannis? Because this seems like a no-brainer in theory that Giannis is the favorite to win finals MVP. But a lot of people out there seem to think that Middleton has a realistic shot. Giannis is such... I mean, it's it's crazy because of how dominant Giannis is. And it's not even one of those things where you could say, like... His, uh, what he does doesn't show up on the stat line. Like it shows up, it shows up in such a big way. So you can't even say that. I think the thing about Giannis that, uh, you know, cause it's also, you know, they keep on saying the Batman and Robin, uh, conversation and things like that. Giannis Antetokounmpo is just such a weird player to put together as, you know, what you would have traditionally thought was an NBA superstar because I think it's it's still left over from, you know, the Jordans and the Kobe's and LeBron's to a degree, even though LeBron was definitely more of a pass uh, first player. It's just you expect your superstar traditionally to be that guy, the go-to scorer. And yeah. Giannis hasn't, like, isn't that, but is so much, like, just so impactful in so many different ways. Like, he's... He's the player that I think we try to make other players like, but they just don't have that level of dominance. So, you know, it becomes more glaring on those friends. Like any player that can do so many things on the floor, but can't like shoot very well, you know, they're just not dominant enough the way Giannis is and what he does, whether it's defensively, whether it's just how he works inside the paint, whether it's his passing, um, just how all over the place is he's just like the weirdest superstar in a great way because um he doesn't have an ego like a superstar there's that too just so much of it kind of works against i think what a lot of these players probably expect and in a lot of ways you know when they you hear like a spencer dinwiddie talk about a chris middleton at least i don't know there's like a subconscious thing that goes in there like they can replicate a chris middleton game game they can't replicate a Giannis game that's very true I, i think to all those ends it's just i don't Really know. I mean, uh, I mentioned uh, S at the top there. He he threw out the theory of just like maybe some xenophobia uh, at the forefront of this too, which is quite a possibility as well. I think the NBA being a fraternity is a great thing for bringing people together. But I think what we do forget is sometimes it's, you know, you're with us or you're just not a part of it at all. And there are the outliers. Giannis is so perfectly that person. Like, zero drama and just signs his extension right he doesn't drag out a free agency he doesn't listen to any other suitors he just stays and um tell me what other player of that uh stature that would do that no like so he just does everything against the grain um and if he wins it in this finals it's just gonna be such a stamp on his way that goes against what we expect of the superstar of his level special report.
Before we get back to my interview with Jerome Chang, just a friendly reminder that today's episode is also brought to you by our friends at Manscaped, who just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your summer body with the trim from the leaders in male grooming today. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas, so join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code WALDER. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you're going to find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all of those goodies. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 RPM motor and gives you the ability to turn that LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? Well, the package also includes the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Before heading outside, use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to keep you on your game in the heat. Then after trimming the lawn and whacking the weeds in the heat, give your beach balls a boost and use Crop Reviver. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring that comfort in boxers to another level. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code WALDER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code WALDER at manscaped.com. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with our friends at Manscaped. Now, back to my interview with Jerome Chang. Giannis, like you said, is an extremely likable guy. I think Toronto Raptors fans have gotten over the fact that he elected to stay in Milwaukee. You know, he got that yep. Supermax contract and he's obviously... It took me about win. like two or three games in his finals to really get over it, but I'm, I'm there now. <laughs> I, I finally am at peace. Yeah. You waited till the very last second for you to be like, okay, now I can see why he stayed in Milwaukee. Completely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he it's He's such a likable guy. Like, it's just... Again, it's just weird. Like, he's not the alpha mentality, you know? Like, he sure. just doesn't ha have any of that it seems like it's i just think people don't know what to do with it like at least people in in it i think for a lot of us watching as fans um are able to really appreciate it and obviously we are so charmed by it but i think in the kind of culture of sports and maybe the nba that's just a hard thing to grasp well the world is coming for the nba you know nikola Jokic winning the mm -hmm. league uh, mvp during the season and of course Giannis. Uh, with his Greek background being one win away Luka from Doncic being Luka knocking on the door yeah, just exactly. around there. Yeah. So many guys right now that are coming for that top spot in the NBA, especially when a guy like LeBron James, his career is slowly winding down. We don't know who that new alpha dog is going to be. It could be someone who isn't American, and I think a lot of people are going to have to accept that. Just like mm. Raptors fans have come to accept that Giannis is not going to be coming to Canada anytime soon. I think <laughs> right. even for someone like you who waited till the finals to get over it, I mean... Maybe I, mean, I was a little bit earlier. It's also, it's, it's the Bucks too, right? Like, the yeah. Bucks are also more or less our rivals, I would say. Like, I think there was a time where it might have been the Wizards, but we just surpassed them, like, to such a point that they're kind of an afterthought. But at least when it comes to the Bucks, they were, like, playoff rivals. We had that classic, uh, um, that classic series in 2019. So 
it's and then yeah, it was fighting over Giannis too. So whether it's been on or off the court, I think they've always been just our counterparts. Like look at Deer District for example, right? How many people would take it personally of <laughs> feeling slighted that it's you know um, a Wish dot com uh, Jurassic Park? Right? <laughs> so I like that. Hey, Jurassic Park will be returning outside of Scotiabank Arena a lot sooner than people think. At least fingers sure. crossed. Anyway, it's been far too long, but. You know, speaking about the Toronto Raptors, uh, another fun observation I had after last night's game was, uh, and I tweeted this out at Walder Sports, was that Toronto Raptors point guard Kyle Lowry was somehow trending on Twitter after a Bucks-Suns NBA Finals <laughs> game. And if you if you search through the posts, it's because a lot of them were slights against Chris Paul because they're both older mm-hmm. point guards. A ton of Lowry fans came out and said that he wouldn't be putting up duds or blowing leads like Paul currently is with Phoenix Jerome, mm-hmm. do you think that's kind of going a bit overboard by Raptors fans, or is it just in our nature to defend Kyle Lowry no matter what the situation, even if it's completely out of left field? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be us if we weren't defending him uh, completely <laughs> out of left field. So I, I have nothing but respect for that. Yeah, I anytime you see any lack of playmaking or any on a team or any, you know, whoever is supposed to be the go-to point guard not uh, coming up in a way that is expected, Raptors Twitter is going to present a Kyle Lowry as the option that you should have taken. But <laughs> I don't, I I just don't think there's an argument in this one. I, the Phoenix Suns are not in the finals without a Chris Paul and they're not like this far in it. I think a lot of ways, the ways you see Chris Paul has been struggling in the finals is the kind of things that, you know, we've even experienced as like some inconsistencies when it came to like how Lowry in certain games like let's not forget when he had his zero point game and people were writing him off outside of Raptors Twitter I think they are so much alike in how much they how important they are to their teams but also uh, I think in part because of their size in part of just you know what what their makeup is they're not exactly expected to be the go-to scorer in every game I think they're going to give you at least one or two in a series like let's you know Chris Paul how he took over so many times in these playoffs especially those fourth quarter takeovers Kyle Lowry what he did in game six in 2019 uh, or even what he did in game six in 2020 against Boston right and so we know they're capable of that I don't think we could expect that of either of them um over the course of a series so like I think they're so crucially important to a team, but not in the ways, again, that we traditionally expect of, like, maybe the most important person is the one who scores all our points. I forget where I saw it. I think it was when I was scrolling through ESPN's YouTube page. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure who exactly said it, but I think someone made the comment that if Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns somehow blow this series, you know, they were up 2-0, obviously. They were in a prime advantage to close Milwaukee out, but now they're Mm -hmm. obviously trailing 3-2 that losing this series would somehow make Chris Paul not a top five point guard in NBA <laughs> history, which which is a place that I think a lot of people have him uh, right. slotted right now. Do you think falling to Milwaukee in this series, that would somehow tarnish Chris Paul's legacy? We just got to stop reacting so immediately to things. <laughs> That's just it right there. Uh, I, I think, obviously, in the grand scheme of when we look at his career, when he finally... Uh, retires whenever that is like we'll look at that part but then you can't just you can't use that to dismiss the entire playoffs when you see how much he's done for that team and even like look at what he did for an OKC last season so I'm I wouldn't call myself in any way a Chris Paul apologist but he's just one of those types of players where the most recent thing that player does is the 
indictment or the credit to their legacy. And uh, I, I think we just need to step back and just look at it as a whole. I think Chris Paul isn't all of a sudden going to become a washed point guard in the annals of NBA history just because of one series. <laughs> I think he's pretty much cemented his Hall of Fame status Completely. at this point. And yeah. I guess maybe you could say the same for Kyle Lowry as well. I think a lot of Raptors fans would agree that he's headed to uh, Springfield at some point. Jerome, I was going to ask you about Lowry as well. How do you see that whole free agency saga unfolding this summer? Do you, do you think he resigns with the Raptors? Do, do, does he head elsewhere? Is there perhaps a sign in trade? in the works what is your personal hope for Kyle Lowry I think like anyone we just want the best for him and it's really tough to say if we're going to be the best for him because like we just don't really know what we're going to be going on uh going forward I think the draft pick is going to be very helpful I don't know if that plus just running back what we have here is going to immediately make us contender and Kyle really does have like only so much of a window left for his effectiveness uh, I think if he goes, regardless, it's going to be a sign-in trade. I just think with his attachment to the city, there's just no version of this that just has him leaving us uh, dry at that point. So um, it's really tough. Like Looking around the league, I think, especially the playoffs, uh, I think all those prospects of where he could go, they didn't exactly make a great case for Kyle to say, like, I should go there to <laughs> be the final piece, too. So... Um, it, it just makes it such an interesting uh, offseason. I think the Raptors have so many questions at this point because I think before even the Kyle thing, I think the Maasai thing we got to figure out because once oh, that God, falls yeah. first, uh, that's and then we have the draft as well too. So I, tr basically, I just don't envy any Toronto sports teams from the last two years, especially when it comes to uh, the Raptors and then Toronto FC for that measure because they had to figure out being not at home for almost two years and then come back uh, and be with teams that are kind of like at a crossroads of figuring out what they need to be. So having to, you know, readjust to being back, having to try to bring back fans, have to do like all the extraneous things that like very few other teams have to deal with. And then also figure out internally where they're going, what their personnel is. It's just, it's an unenviable situation for any of them. But yeah, for the Kyle thing, it's tough. I, I think... I think we need to get to the end of the season. We need to get our draft pick or what we might turn the draft pick into if we do any kind of transactions. And then at that point, present to Kyle and just be like, is this something that's going to work for you and staying on? Well, nothing surprises me anymore when it comes to the Toronto Raptors after the tumultuous season that we just had out in Tampa. Completely. I think in a perfect world, sure, you keep Kyle Lowry around maybe for one more year. Masai Ujiri signs a lifetime extension. You give him the keys to the city. Whatever that man wants, he gets. But right. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for sure, especially with the draft coming up. We have that number four overall pick. That'll sure. be a, a fun evening for us. I, yep. think, I think we all want Kyle to stay because looking at where our team is, like he is just that piece that will keep us together um who will set us on the right path for what our next stage as a team is going to be but i think that is a bit unfair to him as someone who probably wants to try to be on a contending situation um but then that really is like you have to ask and i think a lot of like raptors Twitter himself can be divided and it's like what exactly is this team going into the season as presently like presently on paper is this a team that if just healthy and back at home can make a real run uh, especially with how the landscape has changed in the eastern conference or is this one that you know is missing a very crucial piece uh in like a superstar to kind of be all around because i think we do have a really good set of people 
to build around that superstar. I personally kind of lean on the side of I don't think we have that superstar right now. But yeah, I, it, it's really interesting to see like what exactly is going through Kyle's mind when he sees what we have, but also what he when he sees what else is out there. Well, I'm sure Kyle Lowry over everything tweets will continue on Raptors Twitter Forever. no matter where he uh, ends up playing basketball <laughs> uh, next season. But I, I want to shift gears here to another sport, actually. I want to talk a little bit of baseball with you because it's from earlier in the week and we've had multiple apologies on this front as well. But I do want to mm-hmm. ask you about the comments that Stephen A. Smith recently made about Los Angeles Angels star Shohei Otani. And, mm-hmm. you know, Smith's main point, of course, for those who are unaware, was that Otani couldn't possibly be the face of Major League Baseball because he needs an interpreter, with with many calling for Stephen A. Smith's head because the comments came off yep. as extremely racist and xenophobic. You know, first off, Jerome, when you first heard those remarks from Smith, were you at all surprised to hear a take that that was that controversial from the source it came from? Or were you more disappointed, offended? What were your initial thoughts when that story gained traction? I I think it's always going to be upsetting to hear those uh, comments because, you know, it just feels like for whatever progress you think you're making, it's a comment like that that just sets you back. Mm -hmm. Um but in terms of surprise, I don't know if this is just like a very cynical, sad way of looking at it. I don't think anything surprises me at this point. Right. Um, I think I think those are comments, and it, it kind of like it's similar to what happened around the Rachel Nichols thing too. It's it's the unfortunate confirmation of oh, this is how you really feel about this. Uh, even like, and there are some who will only say that behind the scenes. Some who will be bold enough to say it in front of a camera to a full audience, and you know. Specifically to his comments and what he was saying, it's really tough because the specific way he was talking about it, it was more or less saying, like, this is how it works. Like, this is the audience that you need to placate to, and this is what they're going to accept from you. So it's it didn't feel so much like Stephen A was making a point to say, like, this is how it should work, but more like... He's trying to point out the realities of the situation, which may or may not be true. But at the same time, too, it's just it's so unfortunate because that that in itself is what perpetuates the systemic problem that we have right now. Like if you are going to say like this is how it works and this is why he's not going to be a star, like you are just pushing for the agenda um, to say that, you know, a foreign player or a non-English speaking player can't succeed out here, which, you know, even working in sports is just, you know, when you work with a team, it's and you see you know some of your biggest stars come on and they aren't from canada or they aren't from the us and they don't speak english as a first language but they're probably the most important player on your team and you see the efforts that they go to to not just be able to speak publicly to people but communicate with their own team and um, staff and personnel it's just it's unfortunate because i think for a lot of us who do understand and are native speakers, like we are offended by that. But in those cases, I don't even think it like crosses their mind because they're just trying so hard to, you know, make it work. So to that end, it's just, you know, it's, it's a, I feel like it's a racist side and it perpetuates a systemic racism at the same time. And the whole calling for his head, I, I think that's just kind of like vengeance at hand. Like, I think we just always want to like feel this cathartic release of like they got their comeuppance. But I, I think it's tough because that doesn't necessarily solve the larger problem that creates those kind of comments. And, you know, you remove a Stephen A and like who's filling in that space when like, who, how are we confident that the next person filling that space isn't going to say more of the same is kind of my question. But 
yeah, I think all in all, I think the moment has passed. Uh, I didn't see his follow-up comments, but it sounded like, you know, they had at least a longer conversation about it. Here's just hoping like we're better at it moving forward. Do you think ultimately those are kind of like the best case scenarios when comments like that are made? Because like we said, Stephen A. Smith did come out publicly Mm -hmm. and multiple times and apologize, although he did double down prior to his apology. And like you said, a lot of people did call for his head, his job. Others just wanted him to to learn and be better in the future, perhaps even talk with Otani directly. Mm -hmm. This is obviously not the first time something like this has happened, and it's not going to be the last. When you're looking at moments like this from afar, what is your hope personally when when comments like that are made and and stories like that emerge in in the world of sports media? Like, what's your best hope for everyone involved? Well, the best hope is that, like, the top voice isn't putting that out. Because, like, that's the thing in that case that makes it so difficult to deal with. Like, Stephen A. Smith is one of the top people in sports media. And for him to put that out there, that's a heavy amount of influence, right? Um, We are so often, like, especially in the Twitter space, like, I think it's easy to forget that the conversations that we have here aren't really the conversations that I think, like, go on publicly, like, in the general public when they think about sports. And what they're listening to and what they are consuming is probably more of what you see from a Stephen A. Smith. And to that end, like, that's where I think it could be really damaging. Um, I think, yeah, ideally you don't want your top voice to have that narrow-minded view. Um, And if that's still the case, I think at least you want to have more people in the room to provide other perspectives. So, so that it isn't this one singular voice that's saying this one singular thought. And there are more people involved who have an equal amount of uh, say in the matter to present an alternative. And past that, uh, I don't know, like, this is the kind of thing that is not going to be solved in a week, a month, or even a year. It's just you have to keep on, you know, improving representation and over time just like improving the open-mindedness to a wider view. Well, Jerome, I I appreciate your honesty there. Here's hoping that this is just a learning moment for someone like Stephen A. Smith, one of the top voices at ESPN. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you never want something like that to be, you know, spewed about. But uh, if this can be used for the greater good and a lot of people can use it as a learning experience, I think that is ultimately the best case scenario for a moment like this. But Unfortunately, my man, we are coming to a close here, but just like with all of my other shows, and you're a first-timer, of course, I do have some fun questions to send you on your All right. I have to ask you about the man, the myth, the legend, your father. You had that awesome, (laughs) heartwarming video of your dad watching a game between the LA Clippers and Dallas Mavericks where he was chiming in on Kawhi Leonard, said he should be double teamed, of course. First off, what was your father's reaction when you informed him of that video going viral? And second, how important has basketball and sports in general been to your father-son relationship? Um, So to the first one, I think... Generally speaking, he just doesn't really understand anything that's going on by way of the internet right. or Twitter or social media. But yeah, I just kind of show it to him and just say like, a lot of people really like what you said. And um, 
And it's actually funnier. I think my mom is more excited about it because I think my mom does the classic parent thing where she's in group chats with all her girlfriends and they'll share, you know, their stories <laughs> of like, like who did what. Like it's just flexing on each other um, and being passive aggressive with each other. So I think... I think she really enjoyed the idea of sharing that and uh, doing that around, but I remember them texting me over the next couple of days, like, what's the updated number and what, like, how many more people have seen, I'll remind them over and over again. Um, but that's, yeah, it was such a fun time. I think it, that, that one definitely popped off, but, you know, a lot of people, bless them on Raptors Twitter, have seen me share a lot of different things about my dad and his love for the sport and his reaction to things and just the joy he has about stuff. And it's been so cool and just so heartwarming to see all the positive feedback about that. But yeah, to your question about what it means for him and me, that's like, I don't do any of this and I'm not into any of this without my dad. And you know, he, you know, when you're a kid, you look up to your parents and you just want to emulate everything they do. And for my dad, uh, he was, you know, first into tennis, so I grew up playing tennis, and then he was into, and then he's also likes basketball, and so I got into that, and it just became this really cool thing. I think that just so much of our relationship is built on the connection of sports, because I think, talk to a lot of like kids of immigrant parents, I think communication between a parent and their kid can sometimes be very difficult just because like the emotional side of things is not something that comes naturally, so you kind of lean on some crutches and sports is like is always our opening point like I think we have a really healthy relationship but it is one of those things where like if there's nothing to talk about my dad might just be talking to me about like Fred Van Vliet's like performance the night before <laughs> and that in itself is a good opening and and then beyond that I think it's just been a really great way uh, I think for any of us as kids um, when we grow up and like you talk think about the things of like how you would like to take care of your parents or pay back your parents in any kind of ways sports kind of has been that way for me too because I know you know when my dad turned 80 and like I mentioned we had that tennis um, connection to begin with uh, I got to take him to Wimbledon um, and that was oh, wow. amazing uh, and then and then now like you know with the history of working at MLSC and um, and even to some degree the athletic I think being able to bring my dad into experiences and, you know, whether it's sharing stuff with him behind the scenes, like, thank goodness he's not in any way on a Twitter or anything because he could leak so much that I might be telling him about my day to day <laughs> <laughs> or just like news that I hear ahead of time before, you know, a big announcement drops. But uh, no, it's, it's just such a nice thing to kind of bring him back in the fold because it was his fandom that got me excited about it. And then as I grew older and I became a more invested fan, I got to kind of bring him into the fold too. And that's, you know, just the cool roundabout, like cyclical way that that worked out. He was also a, a fan during the NBA bubble as well. Did he, did he enjoy that experience? That's right. I, I think it was a good microcosm or like a good example of what all of us felt during the pandemic where it was just like all these sensory overloads of things going on and then almost a week or two later you've got it even happen like i think when we got back to the league he was just like oh yeah there was that whole bubble thing and i forgot that that was going on um but i do remember that like that was a really good example where uh they were doing the virtual fans and i know through mlsc they were offering up uh, a couple of seats so i immediately jumped and just said like signed up i got to win uh, like one of the raffle spots to get in and I was like I'm putting my dad in there he's gonna have so much fun <laughs> and, uh, and and he did like all the classic like like I love this as the commonality between children and like older people where when they're like presented with a new thing they just want to be as 
silly as possible. And I just remember when I was setting it up for him and he was, I was trying to explain to him how it worked and I finally showed him on the screen to see like, that's you right there. See, like that's the arena and this is you here and that's right. And he's like, so if I do anything, like they'll show it. I was like, yeah. And then he just started doing like this air Kung Fu and he just started like <laughs> waving his arms around and doing all these silly things. And, and he's like, do you think people see it? I was like, well, people in the room with you see it right now. We're not on TV yet. <laughs> and so, um, but no, he was having such a fun time. And I think, uh, and, and I think it's, it's just, it's cool. Uh, you and I feel like so many other people can attest to it. Uh, the idea of working in sports or working in sports media is, it is a gamble for a lot of us. And yes. so I think when we tell our parents that we want to do this sort of thing, it's such a hard way to really quantify or show that we've done anything or made it anywhere. Uh, and it's not like our parents aren't rooting for us or proud of us, but it's like very different in the kind of way that you have like a standard career or nine to five or anything like that. So I think it's moments like that where my dad can take like real pride, like, wow, you got to like get me into this thing. Like not just anyone could do this. I was like, no, not really. And he's like, that's so cool. And that's something that he can identify. So I think that's a really cool thing too. I ask everyone this on the podcast, Jerome. I'm curious with the exception of MCU programming, because we're going to touch on that later. What okay. shows have you found yourself binge watching as of late? Or what was the last great program that you've caught? Well, so like my current like, just getting into it and watching through it, I've been just laughing my ass off about uh, I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Those have been really fun to watch. Um, I think over the course of the pandemic, my number one thing that I've loved and watched multiple times is Ted Lasso. Okay. Uh, I'm so excited for season two coming out. I think between just like how sharply written it is, the comedy, but just also how loving the characters are. Uh, it reminds me a lot of a Shit's Creek as well. And that was also a thing that I got really into during the pandemic. Um, those are ones that I've been super excited about. And then we're gonna get into it, but because of how much they've been putting out recently, it's just been a lot of Marvel. <laughs> oh, trust me, we're definitely gonna get into some Marvel questions here. But before <laughs> I touch on that, I actually asked this question to one of my previous guests, Keyshawn mm -hmm. Mystery, and it was because he, it's because he also has a background in social media design and photography. So Jerome, you're a big meme guy, of course, on Twitter. But if you could control the web and permanently remove one or two recurring memes from Ooh. circulation, which would they be? Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. Because you've used a lot yourself. Right. <laughs> I that's a... The one that Keyshawn said, actually, okay. was the one where yeah, the, what... the boyfriend is looking back at the other girl. Right. And it's, yeah, people kind of put their captions on it or whatnot. That one stands out. Uh, See, there's I'm, the grizzly I'm... guy with the beard that's always nodding, which I kind of hate personally. I think probably generally like any use of gifts, like recurring gifts is kind of a tough, like I wouldn't, I would like to have like limited shelf lives just because at least taking the, you know, the boyfriend, girlfriend one, people can do different takes on it. They can edit right. on it. They can change it up. Whereas the use of a GIF, it is a little bit limiting in terms of it's just more often not a reaction to something. So it's hard to kind of like break out of the box or finding a new angle. Um, I think when it comes to different memes, most do ride out. And then like when a person tries to use it and it is a little played out, it, I think Twitter nature correct, like course corrects itself. Like they just mm -hmm. won't necessarily get the engagement that they're hoping for. And then it will just kind of like happen that way. So I don't think I need to be any governing body to say like this can no longer be used. <laughs> They'll do it to themselves. Um, but 
I, I don't know. It's I, I want to say like really old memes I'd want to get rid of, but then I all we also started this podcast with me doing a Rick Roll meme, so I don't know if yeah. that's critical <laughs> that's at that a good point. point. <laughs> so uh, I, I think again, I do. I think if you want to reuse a classic meme, just try to find a fresh take on it. And if you do, and even if the execution is bad, I think. I appreciate the effort that it, on that end. If anything, with any meme, whether it's new or old, I think the thing that's always uh, a little frowned upon for me is just when it's lazy. I, I think, you know, if you just slap it on or it doesn't work within context, then yeah. don't. <laughs> but, <laughs> but otherwise, uh, no, if you find like a fresh take on it, like I, I think it, it's such a wonderful surprise when you're like, I did not think this would work and it worked. And that's really cool. Jerome, who is the better dancer? You or former Walder Sportscast guest Jordan Hales, a.k.a. Mr. Jordan Sticks. Hales. Jordan, for sure. Oh, he just has such a great energy about it. And I think also I really am. He does a Harlem shake. And for whatever reason, like, I just don't. He, I remember talking to him about it. And he's just like, you just got to relax your shoulders. You're too stiff. And I was like, that's probably <laughs> it. And uh, um, but no, I like for all this stuff Jordan puts out, it's. For one thing, dance is like another one of those things where I think I, I love doing it. I'm sure I put out videos here and there some, like of me doing it. And I think that always tends to elicit of like dance off or who's a better dancer. But for me, I'm always just like, I just like dancing because it allows you to dance with people and not against them. Right. Um, but Jordan, I, I would pick Jordan any time around. That guy is the life of any situation. He's just such an awesome energy. So. Um, beyond like any specific moves or what his repertoire is like if you go to a dance party and Jordan's there you're gonna have a great time Jerome what is your greatest video bomb you cringing in front of Drake during the <laughs> NBA finals or you eating a slice of pizza during a Raptors kiss cam I think I have to choose the Drake one just because <laughs> of how much it's lived like that one Hey, you know what? Maybe that was the one I should have said they should retire. Just retire the Drake clip because it shows up every couple of weeks. Um, no, that one is so funny because I remember when, like, that was, like you said, it was reacting to the clay injury. So that also means that was the night we won. And so I remember I was shooting at Jurassic Park. I was doing all the games and doing a lot of, like, the reaction videos and things like that. And that was such a wonderful time. And as you can attest to, when you're working at a game, you are not thinking about, like you're just locked into your work at the time. Yes. So you're not thinking about anything. Um, you'd be happy if you could pull yourself away to even like take in parts of the game itself. And that was one of those opportunities because like when you are dealing with an injury, which is always an unfortunate situation, it's a complete stop of play. And like the whole energy is gone. Like people are just sitting in a stasis. So that's where I was just paused. I was, there was no one to shoot or anything to do. And I just happened to, be sta happened to be standing by the stage at the time and I was watching it. And in that moment, I'm not thinking like Drake is right behind me or all the OVO people <laughs> are right behind me reacting to it also. I'm just looking at a very cringy uh, replay and you can see from my reaction there, um, just reacting to it. And I, I know, like, I think you can even see, I look to someone on the stage, not Drake, because again, he's directly behind me and just being like that, like just that nod of like, that was brutal. And it was actually Takia Singh with uh, Bar Down who shot that, I remember. And she she was there the whole time uh, doing the uh, doing the playoffs as well. And she sent, she was like, what's your number? I'll send you the video. And I was like, that's so funny. Thank you for that. Um, what a fun keepsake, not at all processing that they would post this obviously because 
like for me, I was just like, that's so funny. They got a reaction to me, not thinking like the sixth god is behind me. <laughs> and so, and then so, and then like obviously everything else happens. We win the championship. I, you know, film all the festivities. I'm celebrating through the night. I don't think about it. And I think it's uh, so. I was celebrating in real sports with a lot of the staff members afterward. And I think I just started getting mentions and like texts thrown at me. And it was just like, Jerome, you're on Sports Center. I'm like, why am I on Sports Center? What would I do on there? And me just not at all connecting that mm -hmm. obviously they would post this video and then obviously it'd be one of like the big things to come out in the night because it's Drake and Drake <laughs> does Drake doing anything in the playoffs is noteworthy and and then from there it's just been this really funny thing that um even if I have like almost no Twitter activity every couple of weeks it'd be like here you are again at Black Dragon Roll <laughs> and it's just me <laughs> reacting with Drake to something and it's it's I don't know it's funny it's the same comments come through and it's just like Drake's so corny he's such an actor and then there's like the odd person who would just be like who's that guy in front Jerome I need the definitive MCU Disney Plus power rankings give it to me straight WandaVision okay. low-key the Falcon and the Winter Soldier how does that go for me it's low-key WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier keeping with this Avengers theme here it was in 2019 Jerome when you tweeted out a starting lineup made entirely of members of the Avengers you oh had Spider-Man at point guard, are you Nardwar Iron Man at shooting <laughs> guard I go deep into the vault my friend Black Panther at small forward the okay. Hulk at power forward and Okay. Groot at center, a pretty right. well-rounded lineup. But it's now, such a classic. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just so like, what am I like? What is this? 1996? Like it's just such a classic lineup. Um, okay, cool. But but now I need you to top it using only members of the Avengers and as best as you can, of course, create a second lineup that you think could top your first. I think I need a Doctor Strange in there. He might be my new point guard just because he has the ability <laughs> to see all 14 million possibilities of a play on the court. So that's really good. Who's my shooting guard? I definitely picked Iron Man just because he had all the targeting technology. Um, Maybe Hawkeye? I, guess I, could, I think Hawkeye, yeah. I think he has an option for uh, going there. Uh, he would be just a very classic, like, three and D guy like no one <laughs> we're not going to him like he let's see yeah I, I want to say like he'd be like a Clay Thompson but then that might be giving Hawkeye too much credit at that point a little bit <laughs> a little bit uh okay so I think four by three I'm gonna go with Vision he just had such a good glow up from WandaVision so and you know he can phase through things which I feel like a small forward is just someone who needs to be like a jack of all trades going across the board Okay. Who's my four? Now this gets hard because the Hulk and Groot, that's quite the four five tandem. Right, right. Who are you? Like, I think, yeah, I think we could put an Ant-Man in the mix there just cause, especially with a four, like it's like, he could play either a small four or a giant man four. So I get yeah, exactly. both at that point. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's a good option. And then my final one, hmm. This is tricky. The Groot's going to be hard to stop in the paint. Right. I mean, hmm, this is... Maybe this you is just really need tough. to set him on fire with something. Maybe that's your <laughs> best bet. Uh, okay, who do we have that's left in the mix at this point? I'm just trying to think of who are How about Thor? I don't think Thor has made either lineup. Thor has... Yeah, like, if I put Thor in the mix, and that's a good option, then I would have to switch up my lineups around. Thor might be a four at that point, and then a giant man and man Yeah, maybe that'll do, that'll do the trick there. Just use the science of it at all, and just have right. Ant-Man go... 35 40 feet however big that guy gets also and just tower i'm gonna over i'm dropping hawkeye from my lineup oh avengers only though because i was gonna go like a i want a hella in the mix 
Sure, I'll 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 change it up just for you, my friend. I appreciate that, Hella. <laughs> just cause like she just she's awesome. That's straight up. That's that's just it. It's a good enough reason. And then they're all coached by uh, Kang. Oh, there you go, the Kang. Oh, love yeah. love him yeah. and low key. Can't wait to see the stories yes. that unfold. John from the Majors, there. Uh, fantastic. Uh, perfect casting, perfect all around. But lastly, Jerome. I intend on making this a recurring close to my show, actually. We'll see how long that keeps okay. up. But if you were to get out of social media design, photography, producing all together, effective immediately, mm -hmm. you're off the web, you're mm -hmm. off the grid, so to speak. What would you want your mm -hmm. followers and supporters to most remember you for? I uh, I would just hope that that whatever I put out there on the internet was just kind of a net positive and not like in a way that was like that dude was really funny or creative but just anytime that jerome or at black dragon roll was involved in either his own posts or just within a thread he just brought like a general like nice energy to it i think i just want to be good vibes that 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 would be what I would be want to be remembered as. Good vibes, Jerome. I appreciate yeah. your time. I appreciate your candor. And more than anything, I appreciate you for joining me on the Walder Sportscast. Thank I you am so such much a fan of your on. work, your tweets, your videos, your photos. The pleasure is all mine. You're one of the best <laughs> in the business, and I wish you nothing but continued success. But before Thank we you. sign off, buddy, remind the listeners where they can find you and your work on the web. You can find me at Black Dragon Roll on Twitter and Instagram. And we are starting up a lot of uh, work with The Athletic. Uh, it's, it's kind of a ground zero situation, but you'll see more of our videos um, definitely pop up, like different social media stuff uh, through The Athletic account. And also on our YouTube too, I think we're trying to do a lot more out of our podcasts and with our like just wide variety of hosts. So really excited about that. And then I guess I got to plug it, uh, follow at MC University Podcast at MC University Pod. Um, Shout out to my guys, uh, Drake Christie and Anthony Canton Third. Uh, it's been super fun working with them all these years. We Again, one of those things we just did for fun that just, it won't stop now at this point. We, we <laughs> opened up a Patreon uh, and thanks to all the people who signed up for that. And um, yeah, just check out all that stuff. Jerome, thanks again for doing this, my friend. Thank you. And that was my interview with Jerome Chang. Follow the man on Twitter at BlackDragonRoll. And of course, go give a listen to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast at MCU University Pod. Another classic, in my opinion, which I told Jerome after recording, but he said, leave that up to the listeners. So I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did recording it. This has been episode 47 of the Walder Sportscast. If you want to support the podcast, leave a rating and review if you had fun checking out today's show. And if you want to go a step further than that, use promo code TBPN at DraftKings.com for a free entry for new users with the first deposit. And also, use promo code WALDER at Manscaped.com to receive free worldwide shipping and to save 20% on your next purchase. Thanks again to everyone for the continued support. It means a great deal to me. Whether you're here for the first time or have been along since the inception, I appreciate every single one of you out there. For now, though, that's another one in the books. So as always, I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.